0: Design for AI. I'm Mark Bailey. Welcome to episode three. So, today we're going to be talking about federated learning. Now, there's a good chance that some of you are wondering what it means, and don't worry, it's still considered a pretty new topic in AI. Um, Even the word really isn't pinned down. Uh, Apple kind of uses the term differential privacy, so I'll just go ahead and jump right into explaining what it is and why it's important to UX. So, the old way, or I guess I should say, the normal current way is that the way that the most models store data used for machine learning is to round up all of the data that you think you're going to need, uh, plus all of the data that's attached to that. Then you take all the data and it all gets uploaded and stored on your servers. So this is the centralized model. There is a saying that goes that's going around right now that data is the new oil. Uh, because the more data you can get your hands on, then the better your accuracy is for your model, which means that you're in the front of the line for this current gold rush, right? Well, not so fast. There are some problems. Uh, Some people refer to the data as actually the new plutonium instead of the new oil. You really don't wanna have this high liability for personal data. When you release an app over the internet, it's global, but the laws and regulations can change by the country. And so, Things like the new EU privacy laws, like the GDPR, uh, conflict with the laws in, say, authoritarian countries where they want you to share all of your data that you're collecting for your AI models. So this is where the idea of federated learning comes in. So as just a quick side note i'm using google's term for federated learning instead of apple's term of differential privacy differential privacy is a little more inclusive of making things outside machine learning models private also uh, it has to do a lot with databases so in the interest of keeping things as specific as possible i'll be using the term federated learning uh, in the show notes i have included links for both apple and google's announcements anyway it's easiest to think of these terms in the way that you use a cell phone because this is where the idea got started for both of the companies. So the on-device storage is small and there's way too much data to upload over a slow network. The phone downloads the current AI model from the server. It then go ahead and improves this model by learning from all the local data that it does store locally on your phone. Then your phone summarizes the changes to the model has a little small update, and only this little small update is sent back instead of all the data that it's been collecting. So now, if you want like a non-phone example, think of how Tesla builds their self-driving cars. Uh, Every car that Tesla is currently making records from eight different cameras every time the car is driving. Those video feeds help to train the model Tesla is trying to create for the car to be able to drive itself. So to date, Tesla has sold over 575,000 cars since 2014 when they uh, added the cameras needed for the self-driving. Now, if you were to multiply that 575,000, buy the 8 cameras for each car and then multiply that by the number of miles that all of the cars have been driving since 2014 and it becomes obvious really fast that there is just too much video feeds to send over the wireless network back to Tesla headquarters. So it becomes obvious that there is just too many video feeds to send over their wireless network and much less to record all that data and to store it on the central servers somewhere. So more importantly, no one wants everywhere that they have driven and every mistake that they've made while they're driving to come back to haunt them. Federated learning allows Tesla to push the model out to their cars, then that let that model be trained by the data that's being collected by the car. Then the trained corrections to the model are being sent back to Tesla without needing to send hours upon hours of video. Privacy and data bandwidth are both preserved. As a side note, I know Tesla does upload some video of their car driving for things like accidents, but we're gonna go ahead and talk about outliers and making sure which parts you keep private later. So federated learning allows for global results from the local data. Basically, you're training on the local device and then sending the aggregated results back. It allows you to keep the sensitive data on the device. And if you can promise, and you can deliver that privacy to the user of an AI model, then you have just taken care of one of the biggest fears users usually have about machine learning. Think about it. Keeping my data private is one of the biggest complaints against people wanting to use artificial intelligence. It's right up there with the robots taking over the world. So if we can solve the real fears that people are having, then, you know, we can start working on the science fiction fears later. So this is why it's important for UX, all the benefits of privacy for your customers, plus all the benefits of the company when they get a well-trained model. Now, of course, offering privacy to the users is a selling point, but what are the trade-offs? Well, for the drawbacks, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. There are some pushback from developers because it does add an extra layer of abstraction, and there's a good chance that the developers that you'll be working with have not created a model using federated learning, because it's only been around for a couple of years so there will be some learning on their part involved and also any of the models that are created from federated learning are different than the models that you would create from a central database because the um, just the sheer amount of data that's used and the types of data that that you do collect are usually different. Now as far as the benefits you don't have to worry about getting sued for uh, accidentally leaking information that you actually never gathered. Really though, the biggest benefit is usually better, more accurate models, which can seem a little counterintuitive, but since all the data stays local, you're actually able to collect a whole lot more data. Also, since the model is trained locally, the model is better suited for the person using it, which is a huge UX benefit. There are benefits, even if your business plan keeps all of your machine learning models centralized, instead of the models being on the customer's computers or phones because the data is siloed instead of one central location. This makes it a whole lot easier to comply with local regulations, especially for things like medical where not everyone can see the data. Also, since the data is centralized, you don't have to worry about large costs of transferring data from one place to another. It is easier to build compatibility into legacy systems with your software because All of the data can be compartmentalized and only used for either the new or the old system. And then they would communicate through the federated learning. And of course, a really big one is that you have all the joint benefits of being able to work between companies. And each company can bring their strengths to the table without revealing what their own data is. Still, since privacy is one of the main benefits, from the UX side of it, it's important to let people know that using your app that they know about the privacy that you're offering for their peace of mind. Now this is not easy since machine learning is already a difficult enough topic to convey to your customers. So privacy on top of machine learning is even more complicated. For example, this is one of the main selling points that Apple uses for their iPhone. That they have a product that protects your privacy is one of their big marketing points for them. They are probably one of the biggest users of this concept, uh, whether you call it differential privacy or federated learning. But I'm guessing that the majority of iPhone users don't have a clue that most of their data for their machine learning actually stays on the phone. And if Apple, you know, this design-focused company is having so much trouble conveying the message of one of their main selling points, it's obviously not going to be an easy thing to accomplish. So the easiest way to convey this to the user that you are keeping their privacy is trying to keep transparency as much as possible inside the application. Show all the things that are using Federated Learning. Break it down by which features use Federated Learning. Show the user where the data goes, or actually really where it doesn't go. For example, one of the limiting factors of Federated Learning can be turned into one of its selling points. Since Federated Learning needs to keep the labels local, it could give you a chance to explain why when you have people correct predictions. For example, like when they are choosing who the picture is on their phone or choosing which word autocorrect should have chosen. You can let the user know that they are doing this to keep their own data private. Now, if privacy is important to your business model, if there is one thing that you are showing as a benefit to using your app, then it does need to be designed into the app from the beginning. First, uh, I won't go into all the math involved, but merging multi-device information can still expose privacy, so you need to make sure that when the app is designed that the company can't see individual results, only the aggregate. Next, the model Overtime can also possibly learn identifiable information. So when you're designing the app, you need to make sure that the model uh, limits influence from individual devices. Another important thing you need to be able to pay attention to is outliers. Normally, you only want to be able to be paying attention to the difference to the average. There is a difference between the global model versus the personalized model. Like how much do you want to allow the local data to alter the global model's behavior? And really, I can't answer that question for you. That's a decision you're going to need to be making based on your use cases and your company culture. The next big part of improving the UX is deciding how much to split your use cases down into different personas. Usually, each persona gets its own model. The best example I can think of is for like a language model. Basically, you want to train different models for different languages. This helps to reduce the outlier information. And this is also where accessibility fits in. You know, make sure not to forget that. Since AI models try to average everything, accessibility needs can be averaged out as just outlier data. So you want to make sure to work any accessibility needs or requirements that you have for your software into specialized personas and models to reduce the noise for the model and get a better user experience for those with and without accessibility needs. So outliers also influence how often the app should send back information. Like I was talking about earlier, usually a model stores up enough information before it sends it back, either to save on bandwidth costs or to ensure privacy by aggregating the data, but if the app is getting a lot more outlier data though, you probably want it to uh, send back that information as soon as possible so that you will know that there's a problem happening sooner and it allow you to be able to adapt the model as needed to give a better user experience. You'll need the device to say when it has unusual data so that that transfer can happen sooner. Well, thanks for listening, and I hope you found this episode interesting. I would love to hear any feedback on this topic and which other topics you would like to hear about. So to leave feedback, since this is a podcast, go ahead and use a voice recorder app on your phone and make sure to give your name, then email it to podcasts at designforai.com. If you'd like to know how to help, well, as a lesson in machine learning, you can learn how to help train your podcast agent by just go ahead and clicking subscribe or writing a positive review on whatever platform you use to listen to this podcast. Thank you again, and remember, with how powerful AI is, let's design it to be usable for everyone.